from Silicon Valley, California. This is Fresh Dialogues. I'm here today with Rob Bernard, Microsoft's Chief Environmental Strategist. Thank you for joining me today, oh, Rob. My, oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Great. So, Rob, you were appointed to this brand new position at Microsoft in late 2007. I'm curious to know where your motivation for greening one of the largest software companies in the world came from. I think it probably goes back, you know, quite a number of years for me. This has always just been a personal passion of mine, and I'm uh, just fortunate that, you know, the timing worked out that I was able to take a personal passion and, and really marry it with my career. And going back, where does the passion come from? I understand you did a lot of hiking in New England, I've heard. <laughs> can, you, can you tell, go back a little further and tell us where that love for the planet came from? Just the atmosphere I grew up in my house and my parents and my grandparents are just spending a lot of time outdoors in the summer. Um, and then I did a trip in my late teens or, and in my early 20s around the world just seeing how amazing this planet is. And once it sort of got in my blood, it never left. And one of your first stated priorities was reducing software's energy consumption. But given that software only amounts to about 2% of global energy consumed, you're also involved in data center redesign, demonstrating best green business practices and climate change research. What action do you feel has had the greatest measures impact in terms of energy reduction to date? So some of our investments, for example, energy efficiency in Windows, you know, that cycle takes a number of years. So with Windows 7, there's a whole bunch of stuff that'll come out in terms of energy efficiency and where we're headed. Um, if we look at things that we can do that have maybe a smaller but more immediate payback, it would be things that we do with our own facilities or our own uh, energy mix or energy efficiency on our campuses. And then if you sort of look at the sort of in between, it's the data center opportunities. Um, but all of those, you know, the Two out of the three of those really focus mainly on our own footprint. And the question is, how do we cross the chasm so that, you know, our literally a billion customers around the world can take advantage of the advances that we're making? And then how can society leverage technology? And that's where we spend a lot of our focus. Which single item has had the biggest impact to date, do you feel? Well, I think the one with the most potential, you know, if we take a five, ten year view, is absolutely leveraging information technology for positive change. Um, so I think... The jury will be out for a number of years. Hopefully we will have significant impact and we're striving to and that's a main focus for us. And what specific leveraging are you talking about? Well, it's everything about how do you rethink business practices uh, to how do you dematerialize things. So, you know, I uh, spent a lot of time doing video conferences and that's certainly a great way to avoid uh, having an impact and it's also great for work-life balance and it's great for economic gain. So it's one of these areas that, as an example, which is great, uh, other areas where there's been dematerialization, although we didn't necessarily uh, always drive it all, it's certainly built on our, our platforms and tools often is. If you think about things like video distribution or music distribution especially, I mean, if you think about the carbon life cycle of buying a CD 10 years ago versus downloading a piece of music onto your computer or, or personal uh, music player, it's radically different. And one of your strategies with Microsoft is to lead by example. You have over 2,000 solar panels at your Mountain View campus. And in the UK, I understand your campus has 100% renewable energy. That's correct. What else is on your agenda? And do you have a target for 2010? Uh, we have a target that we've now stated for 2012, which is a 30% reduction in our baseline versus 2007. Uh, the reason we chose 2007, frankly, was because it was the most accurate data we could get and so we wanted to benchmark it against something that we felt was meaningful and measurable and so we're on path and we're rolling out um, a bunch of worldwide targets to our subsidiaries over the coming weeks. 
And has Microsoft, like Google, have you invested in renewable energy per se? Other than the fact that we invest in purchasing, like you mentioned, in Thames Valley in the UK or in Silicon Valley and also in other places uh, in the purchase of green power, we think that the real leverage opportunity for us is to go after creating ecosystems in the software industry to really go address this issue at scale. Right. And you're the chief strategist. What is the size of your team and your budget? We've set this up very much deliberately as a distributed uh, model. So what that means is my organization's in the same division that does our security, our trust, our privacy, and our engineering excellence. And the value proposition is that instead of having a team, whether it's 10 people or 100 people or 200 people, the idea is to embed this into everything we do. Um, in fact, just about a week and a half ago, Steve Ballmer sent a mail to all 90,000 employees sort of raising the bar and the stakes by highlighting, hey, look, this environmental sustainability initiative is a core initiative for the company. And so um, we are now rolling out, as I just mentioned, to our subsidiaries and to a lot of our business groups goals that they can carry forward. But how big is your team? Depends on how you want to measure it because we're doing a lot of projects like the Clinton Foundation. Uh, between 10 and 30 people. The distributed team is much closer to probably a few hundred at this point, And that number is going to expand fairly dramatically in the coming weeks. And do you have a set budget? No, it's more about the project basis. So if we find projects that are interesting like we've done with the Clinton Foundation or with the European Union project we've done there, the United Nations, if we feel that we can have a positive impact at scale, we'll go fund it. You said in a recent keynote, you talked about the importance of partnering or encouraging other key players in the green tech space. Ones like Johnson Controls, a Wisconsin-based company, offers building efficiency services. Can you talk about their technology and other Silicon Valley companies that are leading the charge? Sure. Let me maybe start with Silicon Valley. There was a company up in Santa Rosa called Green Building, which a guy named John Kennedy founded. And they had done something which I thought was really clever. They had created a green building XML standard. It allowed companies to do, or the industry to do, is it says, look, all of this information about buildings is all over the place. Wouldn't it be great if we had a standard way to describe stuff in a building and then started to be able to model carbon impacts of buildings and actually do predictive outcomes that says, hey, Let's solve for a problem where you want to take your carbon down 70%. What would you need to do? How would you need to change your environment? Well, the great news is they were purchased by Autodesk. And Autodesk is, you know, I certainly arguably the preeminent company in terms of modeling and modeling software, uh, especially in the building industry. And so I think just right here where we are in Silicon Valley, that's a, a notable example. Um, Johnson Controls, sort of the other end of the spectrum, a very, very large, long established player is really doing some very interesting stuff to revolutionize their business and thinking about how IT and things like they use SQL and you know Microsoft products and .NET and other stuff can be used so that you can apply business intelligence to business building spaces. You know, 37% of greenhouse gases, plus or minus, come from buildings. There's certainly a huge opportunity there. And what has been Microsoft's specific role in encouraging these companies? So I think for that one, I'd ask you to maybe revisit that conversation with me in a few months, uh -huh. and I'd be happy to talk a little bit more about it. Then we spent time with the Green Building Company, and they were featured in an ISV showcase that we do called Ingenuity Point. And the value of Ingenuity Point is we actually proactively go out and look for companies who are doing a great job in the environmental space with software, and then we help them with case studies, videos, and promotion through our partner channel network and on our website. Another great company is a company out actually of the UK called TR Controls. They have this great idea where they put solar panels on the roof of school buildings, and then they actually display information, and they take the information 
and embed it into the school curriculum. You know, they do it through things like PowerPoint and Excel and other tools, but it's really an interesting way to influence the next generation to have them thinking at a very holistic, organic way about sort of power and power mix. So yeah. it's really a global Yes, oh, effort. absolutely. And talk about Verdiem Edison free software, sure. the tool that was launched, I understand, last year. How, how's the adoption going? Uh, the adoption is slower than we had hoped, quite frankly. I think one of the things that I've learned most acutely over the last year is that as much as anything else, this is about behavior change. So we've offered a lot of technologies. In this case, Verdiem has a great technology that people can download for free. And hopefully listeners of this uh, will go out and get it. It allows them to optimize their power management settings on a Windows uh, desktop. And so our hope was that we'd get quite a large number of people downloading it. It's taken off in some unexpected places internationally, but uh, we haven't gotten the uptake that we'd hoped for despite you know, promoting it fairly heavily on Microsoft.com and other places. Turning to Microsoft specifically on campuses, I mean, Google is renowned for giving free time to Googlers to be innovative. Mm -hmm. What is Microsoft doing to be innovative in this green space within the company? So I think there's a couple of things. The first and probably the most important is unlocking people's potential by giving them an opportunity to contribute uh, in a meaningful way. Uh, a couple of examples of that were um, we went to somebody in our real estate and facilities group and said, look, we should really rethink our entire food process and waste stream process at the company. And with that charter, uh, that person went off and went around and gathered ideas from lots of other people. And within the course of a year, we became the first certified green restaurant campus, in a, I think, in the world. I don't even uh, We are the largest private uh, user of compostable dishware materials. We used to use polystyrene. We don't use any of that anymore. And our waste stream was cut in half. Uh, and just to give you scale and perspective, about half of our worldwide employees are on the campus. So it's a fairly large impact that this person then went out and unleashed all these other people. Uh, and there's similar stories over and over. The woman who runs our events on a worldwide basis, similar story. And so it's just empowering people to assert their creativity in new and interesting ways. And do you form it on the basis of a competition? What, what is the forum? So the forum is often inspired by the manager or the leader of a division. So, for example, the person who runs our hosting services uh, also put out a challenge and a contest to people to drive greater energy efficiency in our data centers, and it's just great. So everybody, I mean, part of the, the thing that I, you know, I've been at the company 11 years that I really enjoy about being there is people have a lot of autonomy to think about the right way to execute and to inspire employees. And so often it's done at a, at a more granular level than just a top-down, hey, everybody should do X. And talking about Steve Ballmer, he talked last week about the new Azure system offering cloud computing services and software that will run on Microsoft's new network of big data centers. How will this bold move to cloud computing impact its carbon footprint? There's a couple of intersecting dimensions. The first is how efficient can you be? Right? How much output can you get for any level of input? In this case, let's, let's call it electrons. Okay. Now, the second thing is where are you getting those electrons? Right? And so we look at throughout the world the energy mix. In some cases, we have uh, pure hydropower like we have in Quincy, Washington, which is a great scenario. In other parts of the world, it's more difficult. And sometimes the challenge is as much about regulatory as it is about source. And so... As a macro comment, whether it's Azure or any of the other hosted work that we do, it's how do we continually improve both efficiency and the makeup of the electrons? And so those are two major focus areas for us. Great. Well, it sounds very exciting. Rob Bernard, thank you so much for joining me today on Fresh Dialogues. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Fresh Dialogues. This is Alison Van Diggelen, with special thanks to Tom Krumkowski and Carol Pecora for technical support, and Kevin McLeod, who wrote and produced our music. Music